She did a Her Way podcast, episode 212, Creating a Business from Solving Your Own Problems with Marisa Arredondo. Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, a collective of interviews with top female entrepreneurs from around the globe who have done it their way. These women are disruptors, savvy, courageous, confident, innovative, decisive, unconventional, and humble. Our ladies have proven business models, have taken risks, and have failed only for success to follow. Join us as they share their stories, behaviors, habits, mindset, thought processes, and what it is like to be a woman who means business. And now, here's your host, Amanda Bolin. Hey, beautiful friends. I hope you guys had an amazing weekend and an amazing Thanksgiving holiday if you celebrated and you are geared up and ready to go for today's podcast episode. I'm sitting down with Marisa Arredondo, who is the founder of a skincare line called Face Bioactive. She started working on Wall Street after she graduated from college, and she was working with companies that were in the cosmetic and dermatology industry, and through that experience, she had access to the nation's leading scientists, dermatologists, and product developers. And so from those relationships, she was taught the importance of pH balance in products to prevent aging and treat and nourish skin in a healthy, long-lasting way. Now... The really thing, the thing that I admire about Marisa is that she will tell you in this interview that she grew up with really like terrible acne and she always knew that she wanted to do something with it. And so even from day one, she was extremely strategic and where and what industry she worked with when she was on Wall Street. And then she got to a place where she had saved enough money to be able to self-fund and invest in her own company, which is Face Bioactive. And so in this episode, we talk about learn how to build a product based off of your struggles, see how to conduct proper research and development for your business. It doesn't necessarily have to be a product based business, but it can just be doing simple research before you even launch any business. Understanding and seeing the value of business relationships and knowing where to invest your money first as a new business and be able to make your product accessible to customers. Hey friends, for today's podcast episode, I have partnered with FreshBooks. And before I dive into who and what FreshBooks is and what they do, I want to share how grateful I am for the sponsors of this podcast. Because of them, it allows me to free up my time to focus on content building and serving you guys, my people, my listeners, to help grow your business and create profits in your business. And now, uh, speaking of profits and business... Let's get back to FreshBooks. So you guys have all heard me talk about them, but I've never gotten into the nitty gritty as to why I absolutely love them. So FreshBooks is ridiculously easy accounting software designed with the freelancer or service-based businesses in mind. And it is extremely intuitive and user interface when you log in actually makes you want to hang out for a bit longer versus some other accounting software accounting systems that can be extremely overwhelming. So I use FreshBooks for my contract work and it makes it's super easy to create an invoice, follow up, draft an invoice so that I never forget to collect money and create expense reports. Also in FreshBooks, they have this amazing time tracker. So you can not only keep track of your time, but if you use contractors, you can invite them to your team and actually watch and have them keep track of their time. So everything I just shared is from personal experience and it is not from some script. I've actually had interaction. I've used the product and their customer service team is amazing. So if you're in need of a software, accounting software, head on over to freshbooks.com forward slash she and then enter in she did it her way in the how did you hear about us box. 
So now onto the show. Oh, okay. Awesome. You guys, we are hanging out with Marisa Arredondo, who is the founder of Face Bioactive. And she will tell you more on how it is the first pH optimized skincare line. And she has a pretty incredible story and journey from working in corporate America to then launching her company, which I'm personally excited to dive into because I love hearing how people have made the transition and then also just growing their business. So Marisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, tell us in your own words, what is your company about? And then we'll dive into the journey and the transition of entrepreneurship. Okay. Well, as you mentioned, Face Bioactive is the first line of pH optimized skincare. And basically, the outer layer of our skin has this it's this mildly acidic protective barrier made of sweat and oil, and it functions to seal in the moisture and keep your skin firm and elastic. It acts as an antioxidant, and it inhibits bacteria so you don't get pimples or inflammation. Our line is designed to protect this skin barrier so you stay healthy and youthful looking and radiant. So it's the first line of pH optimized products. All of our products are mildly acidic to match the naturally acidic pH of your skin. Which so is, that's what the line is. Yeah, and I was I mean, I was reading about your company and everything that you guys have and you had a really like even your experience with having to find certain creams that would help cystic um, acne and all that. So tell us, like, take us back to your journey and how did you find yourself in this like whole beauty industry? And we'll start from there. Take us back to day one. Right. Well, it's a very personal journey because I had horrific cystic acne growing up and I was always having breakouts and redness and premature wrinkling because I would try everything. I did the sulfur and the benzoyl peroxide. I'm 42, so there was no Clarisonic. Wait a second. No, you're not. (laughs) So so I was using scrubbing with soap and I was basically doing everything wrong. And eventually I was prescribed antibiotics. I had corticosteroid injections into my cysts, which was really unpleasant. And then I took Accutane and the Accutane worked, but the pimples came back in my 20s. And that's really when I resolved to solve my skincare issues once and for all. So I went to Stanford University, and when I graduated, I decided to go to Wall Street and work as a research analyst investing in cosmetic and dermatology companies. And as a function of this experience, I had access to the leading scientists, dermatologists, and product developers in America. And that's where I discovered the importance, the critical importance of pH balance, not only in anti-aging, but in producing healthier, more radiant looking skin. So I went to Harvard Business School to learn um, definite skills that I didn't acquire on Wall Street. And that's where I conceived the plan for Face Bioactive. So in 2011, I left my job and decided to make a go of it. I had enough capital accumulated. I had all of the contacts that I needed. And that's when I decided, all right, now's the time to do it. So it basically took me four years to develop the line with a team of chemists. And in putting that team of chemists together, I traveled all around the countryside uh, meeting different people. And it, it took me a while to find a team that had a lot of experience in developing products and with ingredients, but also shared the same commitment to excellence that I have. And so we did that and we launched in 2015. And by launching, I mean we launched on my website, on the internet, 
And then Saks saw us and rolled us out across the country in their apothecary initiative. And from there, QVC came to us because they really appreciated this angle being a totally different angle on skincare, addressing pH balance, which nobody else is talking about, as well as my authentic story. And uh, I launched on QVC this year in March and have been on subsequently since then. And, um, and we also were invited to join the Amazon Luxury Beauty platform. And so we're just growing the business methodically and, um, and educating women and men on the importance of pH balance because it's critical to having healthy, radiant, glowing skin. Yeah, well, I am so, like, your skin and the photos and everything, absolutely gorgeous. There's no way that you're 42, my goodness. Um, I'm like, sign, like that. <laughs> sign me up. Give me some of that. Okay. So then did you go in knowing, I mean, you had this really personal experience with it. And so when you graduated Stanford, you, did you, you purposely selected to go into that industry on wall street. And then did you always oh, yeah. know that you wanted to create your own product or did that sort of become a byproduct of just your experience and then you're like, I can do this? No, I always knew I wanted to do this. When you've suffered with really bad skin issues, I mean, even today, and I do have beautiful skin, thank God for my products, but I didn't always look like that. And the emotional scars are still very much there. Even though my skin looks great, I still feel very insecure inside because of what happened in my teen years. So I always knew I wanted to solve my skin issues, and I always knew I would start a skincare line. The question was, how would I solve my issues? How could I create the best products for myself and for women everywhere? And how would I accumulate this capital? And when would I have the guts, basically the raw grit, to be able and go out and do it? So it was just a matter of timing and putting the pieces together and just ultimately getting that confidence because I left a very high paying job on Wall Street and there's no promises in starting a business. And I can't tell you how many people said to me, Marisa, you're a nobody. How are you going to compete with the big wigs like L'Oreal and get shelf space when you don't have the budget to do that? And I think what happened to me is that I entered the market at a time where there is just so much uncertainty in the world of retail. And because of, uh, because of the internet growing and return policies being so lax, you can return a product in 30 in 30 days without a problem, and because women are altering their consumer behavior, i.e. not going to stores to buy, but actually buying on the internet and returning if they don't like it, it really played into, from a timing standpoint, the opportunity for someone like me uh, to make a dream a reality and actually be successful. Yeah, so did you, with your capital, was it all self-funded in terms of you save, 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 and then it was time and you had your business plan yeah. from Harvard and you're like, I'm doing this. Exactly. And after I left Harvard, I went back and worked as a biotech analyst at a hedge fund to make more money because starting a business business like this is an expensive endeavor. But the beauty of funding your own business is, I mean, there's it's a double-sided coin. Every dollar you invest is a very, it needs to have an ROI. So you're very conscious of where money is being spent. Whereas I think when you invest other people's money, you can, I think it's easier to be lax with where you're spending your money and not being as conservative. So I think that for me has been an advantage because I've really paid attention to where I've spent and I have made fewer mistakes as a function of investing my own money. Sure. Well, so then what was like when you started out and you had your cash, like how, what was your thought process in determining whether or not doing X was worth the payoff? Like walk us through that entire mindset of <clears throat> questions you would ask yourself. 
Well, there were a couple obvious places where you need to spend. Number one, R&D. But in research and development, because I was a biotech analyst, I was very familiar with researching ingredients and understanding clinical abstracts, meeting with ingredient manufacturers. I speak the language of chemists. So there was a lot that I could do on my own. And in building this business, what I decided at the outset was I would do everything on my own because it what it would do is educate me on every little facet in the business so that when I hire and there's a problem, I can help resolve that problem very quickly. And so what this means is I've been working 24-7 for a long period of time. <laughs> and, but at the same time, it's given me a level of control early on. And so in thinking about what I needed to spend on, obviously I needed to create uh, employ the best chemistry team I possibly could. But in negotiating our contract, everybody understands that, you know, I'm a startup, I'm at the beginning. So it's really getting the buy-in from the team members that, guys, if we work, everybody's going to win. But at the outset, I need everybody to put a little skin in the game. And so that's how I developed the business. And one of the pieces of advice I got when I started was from my father, who's also a successful entrepreneur. And he said to me, Marisa, the most important aspect of your business and frankly in anything in life is relationships because when you build relationships and there's a problem a relationship will help you and ultimately there will always be problems I'm a fireman basically but a relationship will help you a transaction won't and a transaction won't be there when you need them so for example I had some issues with um, in our supply chain in sourcing product in sourcing uh, containers my containers come from Italy and unfortunately, they didn't meet the timeline of uh, sending me a certain SKU on time. And I have to meet, you know, buyers, distributors that are demanding product on the other end. And so in this situation, because I have a relationship with that company, they were able to get me at the front of the line and produce product more quickly for me than probably would have been if this was just a transaction. So it's really important to build those relationships, which is what I did. So just to, to answer your question, at first I invested in my R&D team and creating the best product that I possibly could. And to give you an idea, our cleanser, which is our number one selling SKU and the most important when it comes to pH balance in your skin, we did 87 renditions of this before we got to the final product. Dang. So it takes, that's a lot. And it takes a very patient um, team. And I've employed a lot of women and they all use my products uh, that again, share that commitment to excellence because you need to hire great people that share your values if you want to be a success. And so, so, so I started with that and then of course a great website developer that understood my vision. And, um, and then from there, as I started to make revenues, I could employ, you know, I could spend more money on different things. When did you hire your first employee, like full time? Was that, would you, is that considered the chemist or? In no, my, so the, I don't consider my chemist, um, my first employee because, um, these people are, are, they, they are not, how do you say, not on the, they are uh, Probably, consultants. Yeah. Okay. So my first full-time employee I hired in 2015, 2014, 2013, excuse me, <laughs> Emma was her name. And that was very scary for me. I had always managed people in my prior jobs, but there's a whole different level of responsibility when you're bringing someone on. Uh, full time that you want to make sure you can meet payroll. You want to make sure that they're happy. And, um, and it was stressful. It was scary at first, but at the same time, when you see the value that people can add to your life and the, and the bottom line, it's just, it just becomes an easier process as you, as you, as you continue to hire. So that was when I hired my first, my first person. 
Wow. Okay. So then you launched in 2015. I can't believe that's amazing that you went through that many renditions of the first product. How did you prepare for the launch and generate interest about your product and your company? So we didn't have the budget to hire a publicist, so we had to be creative. And when we launched, and I, it makes me laugh because the word launch sounds like I had some massive party, you know, at Sephora <laughs> in New York City. Launched basically was my website went live. And I sent an email to all my friends and I posted it on Facebook. And then from there, what we did was send product to all of the beauty editors in New York City. And then we followed up and followed up. And because pH balance is such a unique angle on skincare. And because my background with Stanford University and Harvard Business School and Wall Street was just so out of the ordinary, it resonated with a lot of beauty editors. And so they called me in for meetings. I explained to them the science. And there are decades of research on pH in the skin. And because it's a little scary to talk about the fact that our skin is naturally acidic and putting acids on your skin is a good thing, this was intriguing. And we are, at, we are at a place in time right now where women are very well educated on the internet with healthcare information. So it makes sense to be providing science in the magazines, whereas historically it's been a little bit more fluffy because we didn't have access to the kind of information that we do now. So I think that just from a timing standpoint, I was very, very fortunate. So we sent a bunch of product to these beauty editors. I met with them and then they started writing. And in the fall of 2015, and remember we launched in January 15, we ended up being in many September issues, Harper's Bazaar, W Magazine, we got into Vogue. And once you're in Vogue, a lot of magazines follow. Women's Wear Daily wrote about us. Beauty Inc. chose me as Entrepreneur of the Month. And it was just this cascading effect after that. And once you get the press, people start hearing about you, you get phone calls, et cetera, and it's just... The harder you work, the more opportunities present themselves. Mm, Amen. So then now you've been, it's coming up on three years. How, how have you taken your bit? Like, what have you done since the launch and what has that entrepreneur entrepreneurial experience been like? And in terms of figuring out other products to offer, managing cash flow, making sure that you're still promoting and then also getting in sales, like Walk us through the balancing act of everything that's going on. <laughs> so you have a good taste of what my life is like. There's just so much to think about. Um, from a working capital standpoint, managing my budget and where I spend money has actually come to me very naturally, given my background as a research analyst, creating financial models and understanding how businesses work. So that hasn't been very challenging for me. Um, the, the challenging part for me in launching this brand is that I didn't appreciate at the outset that I would have to be the face of the brand. And as I was explaining to you in the beginning, you know, I look pretty now, but my skin didn't look like this before. So it's very, I still do feel insecure about my skin. So it was very uncomfortable for me to realize that for this to be a success, what resonates with the customer and the way to connect with her is to tell my authentic story, Mm -hmm. which means my face is going to have to be in front of the customer. So that was a huge, um, mountain for me to climb and just get comfortable with. And so when QVC approached me, uh, they really liked the story because again, that's what connects with the customer and they wanted to put me on air explaining my story. So that has been um, a really interesting experience, a heck of a lot of fun and definitely the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. 
But what it's done is really, really made the brand a success. So um, as I mentioned, I started that in March. And, um, and so that was, that was, that that's been a real challenge for me. So basically the marketing of the brand, um, the business aspect hasn't been challenging. The next area is I had always, my life is, I function best with simplicity. And as I get older, I just like life to be simpler. I didn't want to launch a hundred new products. Mm-hmm. I wanted to launch a very small line of multitasking heroes. And that's how I have launched the brand now. Now we're missing a couple of products like a mask and like a couple of other things that I'm going to be launching relatively soon. But I don't want to have a product line that has four different cleansers so the customer gets confused in deciding which is best for her. Um, One of my experiences as a customer of skincare is just the fear and anxiety I would feel going to a cosmetic counter and having the salesperson asked me what kind of skin I have because today I don't even know what kind of skin I have. Sometimes it's sometimes it's dry, you know, sometimes I'm stressed (laughs) in sleep and I just look like I'm wrinkly. So I just want to simplify life for the customer so that you know that number one, you can trust base bioactive to be providing pH optimized products that work with your naturally acidic pH. And number two, you just know if I've got brown spots and I want brightness, buy the illuminating serum. If I just want a cleanser that's not going to dry my skin out, that's going to keep me looking, that's going to strengthen my skin's barrier function, go for our one cleanser. So that's kind of how I thought about the product line. And then the final point is um, distribution. So I wanted to keep my distribution tight because I was, as I was saying to you, we've just, we're in such a bizarre uh, time for the world of retail. I mean, bricks and mortars. Uh, stores are really, really struggling. And if you just think about your own customer buying habits, think about how much they have changed. I used to love shopping. Shopping used to be a sport for me. I don't ever want to go into a store. It's the most unpleasant experience for me For me now. I shop online and it's just easy. And I love coming home to boxes at my front door. It's like a nice so- little, it's like a Christmas. <laughs> exactly. So so from that perspective, I never wanted to be, I mean, I think it was very important to me that I got into Saks at the outset because that established us as a luxury brand. But going forward, I don't expect to really um, focus on bricks and mortar retail at all. I want to continue with the internet. QVC has been phenomenal from a TV standpoint because pH balance can be a dense topic to explain and to have the medium to be able to connect with the customer directly on television. And it's someone that literally turns on QVC because they want to learn, they want to be entertained and they want to buy was the perfect medium for this brand. So I expect to continue to do television um, in the form of an infomercial in the next couple of years. And I think the only thing you're going to see with us is our product line become just a little bit more accessible price wise. Um, to customers because right now our products retail at between uh, $42 and 105 and I think we can get those prices down um, if we're able to alter our cost structure slightly. Mm. So, and I, I would like to follow up on that um, about how you categorize it. I think it is so intelligent and smart and like even as someone who went to your, who's been to your site previously, you're right. Like it can be overwhelming trying to figure out, oh my gosh, what cleanser, what clear, like all this serum stuff. It's a little overwhelming. But I also like not only do you have by type, but also by concern. And that okay. is just from a mental psychological perspective, something super savvy that definitely I just appreciate that. Cause if you're like you have redness or dryness or dark dark spots, you can click it and it's kind of like a self, it's like a self-diagnosis. 
Um, I appreciate you're saying that because as I was mentioning, going to the cosmetic counter, counter, especially for somebody that has had a reskin issue under the sun, it is, it makes me, I get anxiety ridden when I'm asked these pointed questions and I just don't understand what's going on with my skin. I'm frustrated and I just want someone to fix it. Right. So that's why I figured, you know what? And we also have a blog, it's called um, Beauty with Substance. And I've just hired, so we're going to have more people. I do the research, but I need someone to write it for me because I'm just too busy with, with work. But the beauty of a blog is I want to have fresh content as regularly as possible to educate women. For example, one of our blog's um, articles is about vitamin C. And vitamin C is one of the most powerful ingredients in skincare. But you have to be using L-ascorbic acid. There's a bazillion different forms of vitamin C that are marketed on the market that are quite they're snake oil. They don't work. L-ascorbic acid at a low pH is the only vitamin C that works. And we don't make vitamin C in our systems. We get it in the fruits and vegetables that we eat or the supplements that we take. And you need vitamin C in order to manufacture collagen. And so when you apply vitamin C, which collagen keeps your skin firm and elastic, when you apply vitamin C topically, you absorb 20 times more than when you ingest it. Oh. So this is a really important information because a lot of people, for example, use retinols for anti-aging. Retinol is just a high dose of vitamin A. It's excellent at exfoliating your skin and helping to encourage the building of collagen. But if you're like me, I can't use retinol because it makes me red and really peely. So an alternative anti-aging ingredient for retinol is vitamin C and you want something in the 15% range. So for that's that's how I use my blog to really educate women and then we email them these articles so they can read them and they're interested in trying the product, they can buy it on the website. So that's how that kind of customer engagement, um, very useful for building a following and educating women, giving them news that they can use is really, really wonderful for building a customer following that is loyal as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it helps paint the benefit of the product and, and just sharing how it makes an impact and how it can change change your, your skin. Yeah, and in a less intimidating way because, again, I know other women feel the same way that I do. I just get stressed at the cosmetic counter, and I don't know the answers, and I just I don't like having someone put me in a corner when I'm already embarrassed and insecure enough about how I look. So being able to do this over the Internet and through email, and I receive a ton of emails and questions from customers every day, and it's a great way to be able to interact and give trustworthy, accurate information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially, I mean, you live in New York. I'm in Chicago. It's like, what time of year is it? That'll tell you what my skin's up to. Same thing with, like, hair, too. I'm like, I need to change hair products because of of the seasons changing. Well, it's interesting that you bring up hair, too, because pH balance also very much applies to hair. Like, if you're aware of these new shampoos that are coming out that are sulfate-free, the reason they're sulfate-free is because sulfates are super alkaline. A sulfate is a detergent, and it basically strips your hair. It cleans really well, but it takes the good stuff and the bad stuff off your hair. So it's the same with cleansers for your face. The biggest mistake that women and men make is washing their face with cleansers that have soap, that have alcohol or that have detergents, that anything that says sulfate, any foaming agent, because what this does is these are alkaline ingredients. They strip your skin's barrier, dry out your skin, and your skin's defenseless. That's when you get pimples and wrinkles and redness and rosacea and eczema. So it's really important to be using products that are mildly acidic on your skin to preserve and your hair to preserve the natural acidity of both. 
Mm. Yeah, no, that I've noticed that more. I've always seen like zero sulfates added. And then I just knew that they weren't good, but I didn't understand the reason behind that, which, so my, I, my next question though, is what about, what's been like one of your biggest roadblocks since you've launched your company? Hmm. I don't think of things like roadblocks. Um, or maybe something that you, maybe it took a little bit more energy to. Yeah. I mean, I think a roadblock isn't the word I would use because I mean, every starting a business every day, (laughs) choosing to get out of bed is a roadblock sometimes. Um, I think the challenge for me has been, first of all, as I explained to you, being accepting that I'm the face of the brand. I'm there now. I'm comfortable. I did local news yesterday, which was very exciting. Um, but the real challenge is how, to capture the customer and keep her loyal. What is the best way to market? Because there really isn't a book that will tell you how to do it. Historically, you got yourself into Saks or Neiman Marcus or Sephora, and it was just a retail story. But because the world of retail is in such dire straits right now, there is no answer. And the biggies, the Estee Lauders of the world, are struggling as much as, you know, the small brands are. Everybody, you know, it's the beauty of chaos is that's where real opportunity presents itself. And we have things like influencers that are coming into the market now. And, you know, the question is, do I want to be paying an influencer to pitch my product? Is that really an approach to take? I don't think so for my brand because I'm all about science and trustworthiness. And an influencer is obviously being paid to pitch something. A, it's not a good use of my capital. And B, I don't think my customers are smart. And I don't think there's integrity in paying an influencer to market a product. That said, you know, there's plenty of companies that use influencers that have been enormously successful. So it's really the challenge for me is navigating how to market my brand. Mm. And, um, and it's, it's every day a challenge and I'm trying new things. And that's the only way to learn is just to try, see what hits and then to run with it. And if it doesn't hit, move on to the next and get over it and just don't get attached to failures. Keep trying and trying and trying and trying. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say is like the biggest thing, like the g- biggest growth experience or moment and how, have, how has entrepreneurship helped you grow as a person? Uh, well, without doubt, <laughs> it has been, it, it's actually really fascinating because there's so many challenges that, and I know people always say this, like, just know what you're in for when you start a business. I really mean, know what you're in for. It is, your business will run your life and it's just an important uh, I can't say it's an unfortunate aspect because I love what I do. So it's not painful, but if you don't love what you do and you're not totally passionate and obsessed with what you're selling and creating, which is how I feel about skincare, because it's such a personal story for me, don't do it because if you're in it for the money, forget it. You're not going to be a success. So you've got to be really successful at what you do and what you're, you've got, you've got to be really passionate about what you're doing to be able to handle this. So that that's number one. And number two is I've really learned to manage my own emotions because when you care about something so deeply and it's your money that's invested, when things go wrong, which happen literally every day, you have got to keep your head level-headed. You've got to keep your wits about you. And so I think the biggest lesson for me is really learning to manage my emotions and to stay calm and to be able to 
see a problem and just solve it as opposed to freaking out because this went wrong and what about that person and how am I going to handle this? No. It's look at the problem, get to the root of that problem quick and solve it. And don't worry about whose fault it was or blah, blah, blah. So really learning to manage my emotions has been an incredible experience for me. And it's really helped me to mature in a way I don't think I could have had I not started my own business. Mm-hmm. So then just like to recap too, then what I hear you saying is, something goes wrong or maybe it's not whatever happens you take the emotion out of it and diagnose it in a way to say okay what's the true issue and then just move forward instead of allowing your your brain to think of all these doubting thoughts to ensue right. yeah yeah and not, and not just that you know typically there's a person associated with a mistake that happened you know getting upset with that person isn't going to solve the problem so focus on as my father says focus on the bouncing ball what's the goal and the goal is to create fabulous products and get them sold and have happy customers so just keep your eye on the bouncing ball when things go wrong mhm what was i'm curious then too like how do you determine what you say yes to and what you say no to Well, I have an advisory board that is people that I worked with um, in my first job out of college on Wall Street. So they give me their insights and feedback. But really, there's no cookie cutter answer to that question because every day, I mean, the beauty of where I am today in 2017 is that I've lived and breathed this since 2011 now. So I have a ton of experience and knowledge that is worth a ton. So a lot of it is really gut and where I see the market going because I'm so immersed in it on a daily basis. And again, there's just no right answer. So sometimes I do make mistakes and we should have gone this way instead of this way. But for example, right now I'm seeing everybody launch these, um, they come from Korea. They're the masks that you put on your face where you look like Freddy Krueger and they're loaded with ingredients. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? They're totally scary. Oh, I mean, that's I- the only Description. I, I went to China like two years ago and picked up a ton of them. And then I, I mean, I haven't even used all of them yet because now I'm like more nervous that there's products or, or there's ingredients that shouldn't be on my face. But yeah, they definitely <laughs> look like Freddy Krueger. But everybody, I mean, everybody is launching these masks. And I just don't think we need another Me Too product out there. And I want to continue in creating my brand and in writing my mission. I always want to stay innovative. I always want to be producing multitasking hero products. As I said before, I don't want to have a million products that dilute the line and confuse the customer. So even though I'm being approached by all these mask manufacturers, I don't want to do another Me Too. I want to be unique, and it's not something I'm going to use. My line is designed for me, and I'm working off of if I love it, my customers are going to love it. That said, I also get, and this is the beauty of where we are with the Internet now and with QVC, is that I get outstanding analytics on a real-time basis. Customers really tell you what they think, positive and negative. I mean, you've seen some great reviews on my website. They're really detailed reviews. It's not just a sentence or two. And women really want to tell you their problems. They really want to tell you what they're pissed off about and what they love. And that feedback is invaluable for me because it's literally leading where we're going with the brand. So I'm very grateful that I get the opportunity to go on QVC. The minute I get off air, I have emails in my account. I know exactly what my sales are in the green room and I get reviews on the website. And it's the same with my, my, um, my website, facebioactive.com. I'm constantly getting feedback and letters from customers. Yesterday, for example, as I mentioned, I was on the local news. I got a ton of emails and website visits and purchase orders yesterday as a function of that. So I'm, 
what's helping me make the decisions for where we are going, what's leading that is the customer. And ultimately, I can only be successful in my business with a happy customer. So to be able able to have so much real-time interaction with her, that is just incredibly valuable. And historically, when you sold in an Eman Marcus or a Sephora or um, a Saks Fifth Avenue, you know, you don't get the same amount of customer traffic that you do in an afternoon on the web. Mm. So this is just a really beautiful point in time that we're at where we can really be using this analytical information to be driving the business forward successfully where our our customers happier and therefore we're more profitable. Yeah. And I would imagine it's pretty difficult to track the women who go to the counter at the brick and mortar store versus obviously you have all the analytics and you can track how many sites and track that gal or that woman all the way through her journey that's on your website and then follow up via email and everything that you can set in motion that way. I have a couple last questions for you. Um, mm-hmm. One is, um, what is the next thing in your business if you could wave a magic wand that you would outsource? Hmm. What a great question. Hmm. Well, it's interesting. I, I have a call today to discuss this with a woman that I is really confident but I'm not sure whether I would outsource that yet. So I need to have that phone call before I would say that I would do that. Um, what would I outsource now? I think at this point I've outsourced about as much as I, I really would. I have people internally that are, you know, for example, this is something that I had outsourced temporarily and brought it back in house. Our website fulfillment. Um, I had uh, a big fulfillment house fulfilling products once we got to a certain level that it became a bit overbearing and it was a big mistake because the wrong products were being shipped to customers I write a personal letter to my customer in every um, in every box it's it's it just explains the products it has my signature etc and my personal information if you want to email me and that was omitted from boxes and I realized if I'm a customer and I'm going to be shopping at my website I want to have a personal experience I want to know that Marisa and her team care about me so I brought that in-house and we're going to keep it in-house, even though we have a lot of orders. We can fulfill it. It's just hiring more people. But having that that connection to the customer is not something I'm willing to lose at this point. So to answer your question, I think we're I think we're pretty full on. I, I, there's not there's not much else I would outsource at this point. I like having. Um, I need to have that relationship and that control. Uh, with the customer because that's what's going to dictate what we do in the future so she stays happy. Mm-hmm. What is some sort of like, how do you maintain or a sense of urgency and productivity in your day-to-day life? Oh, leading by example. That's <laughs> just, it's always been this way. And I'm just a very high energy, enthusiastic and passionate person by nature. I love what I do. And what I think I've done well is, or I would just say women that are attracted to working at Face Bioactive share a same passion for beauty and just are driven by excellence and doing a great job and customer service. And they share the same values as me. So it's just been easy in that regard to attract real talent that shares my values. And, you know, I'm I'm less concerned about FaceTime and more concerned about execution. And so building that trust with the people that work for me, I think, has enabled us to to create a great and happy team where we're all, you know, working to meet a common goal and doing so well. So I think just leading by example is, is the key, frankly, across all avenues of my life, you know, even in friendships, just be a good friend and you'll attract good friends and you'll attract that behavior. It's the law of attraction. 
Amen. So that's, that's kind of how I look at things. Yes. And the last question I have for you is what has been a book that you've read? I mean, it can be business, it can be nonfiction or fiction, whatever it is that has really impacted, made an impact on you. Well, I'm a very avid reader. Like I read multiple books a, a week because mm-hmm. that's what I love to do for fun and it relaxes me in the evenings. I just read a really great book written by a girlfriend of mine from Harvard Business School and her partner, who is a tenured professor at Harvard Business School, and it's all about customer service. It's called Uncommon Service. And one of the things it talks about is to be a successful business, you have to understand what you're really good at and what you're going to fail at, and that will make you successful. So, for example, she uses Walmart as an example. You don't go to Walmart because you like shopping in a warehouse that's cold and not friendly and there aren't many service people to answer your questions. You go to Walmart because you're going to get the lowest price out there. And so understanding what value you are giving to the customer and exploiting that and accepting that you're never going to be this aspect is just something that's given me quite a bit to think about over the next couple of weeks and how I think about growing this business. So so that's common service. Uncommon service. Okay. It's a great read. Fantastic. Congratulations to your friend. That's amazing. Yeah. They're, they're an incredible couple. Yeah. Well, why don't you, this has been, oh my God, I love your enthusiasm. I love your, um, just decisiveness and knowing your business, like it's really motivating and, and inspiring to, for like myself, even to get more involved and understand where I'm at and know exactly where I'm going. So I, I've loved our conversation and then I would love for you to share where my listeners can find out more information or get in contact with you, follow you, and even buy some buy some product. <laughs> well, thank you. First of all, I appreciate this. It's really been a pleasure to be on your podcast, Amanda. Thank you. Um, you can read more about us at facebioactive.com, and face is spelled P-H-A-C-E, bioactive, B-I-O-A-C-T-I-V-E.com. If you want to uh, connect with me directly, I'm at Marisa, M-A-R-I-S-A, at facebioactive.com. And then, of course, please follow us on Instagram at The Face Life, The Face, P-H-A-C-E, Life, for lots of tidbits on how to lead a pH-optimized life, which basically means eating an alkaline diet, applying mildly acidic skincare to your skin. And you can also follow what it's like being an entrepreneur and growing a business. I put everything on my Instagram. Yes, I love it. Thank you so much. Again, if you're just starting out with your business and you need an accounting software that is simple and easy to use, check out FreshBooks at freshbooks.com forward slash she and enter in. She did it her way in the how did you hear about us box. Thanks for tuning in to the She Did It Her Way podcast. Did you like this episode? head on over to iTunes.com to leave us a rating and a review. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out SheDidItHerWayPodcast.com where you can subscribe to our email list so you can receive the inside scoop on our latest episode released each Monday. Now, do us a favor and go make it a great week. Music